It's game time, people. Welcome back to Halftime Happy Hour. I First of all, I want to say I'm so sorry I missed last week. Uh, sometimes, as I'm sure everybody else knows and understands, is that life gets really busy. Um, but I was recently reminded that life will always get in the way if you let it. And things will always come up and you'll always find excuses. But that's when you need to refocus and take the time to do things that truly make you happy from the inside out. So Halftime Happy Hour makes me happy, and because I love spreading positive stories, I'm right back where I belong. So maybe a little later than normal, but here is episode three. Um, I first have a few updates to share with everyone. Um, In the last episode, I talked about uh, my new friend, Rick Zortman, Uh, The Human Etch-A-Sketch, who I featured in the last episode, um, is officially at 87 names and counting uh, as of today and is so extremely close to his goal of 100 names of children who have fought or are are fighting pediatric cancer. Uh, He's run multiple times, multiple miles every single day to try to reach his goal of etching 100 names throughout his neighborhood. Um, As the father of a boy who passed away from cancer, Rick knows firsthand that these kids all deserve to have their story told. Last week, he was featured on the local Omaha News Channel 6, and today, this morning, he had an interview with the Des Moines Register. Uh, Rick and I have obviously still been in contact, and we're hoping to meet up at the Minnesota game in a few weeks, and I can't wait to take a picture with a real-life superhero. Um, He and I have, like I said, we talk all the time. He likes to keep me updated. He sends me pictures of himself running. His journey is super cool, and I am so happy that I was able to find him on Twitter and help share his story because, like I said from the very beginning, he's sharing stories that need to be told, and his story needs to to be told. Keep it up, Rick. You're almost to 100. I cannot wait to meet you at the Minnesota game. Um, I have another update for you guys. Last episode, I talked about um, the senior high school football player from Vestavia Hills. I think I said his name was Jake Hyde in the last episode, but a little correction. It's Jake Pratt. His sister's last name is Hyde, and that's who uh, tweeted about the story. Um, So Jake Pratt, the high school football player with Down syndrome, who was able to live out his dreams of scoring a touchdown, uh, he actually had a pretty cool experience uh, a couple weekends ago. He was down on the field at the Clemson versus Auburn game, and as Dabo Sweeney, the head coach of Clemson, was running out onto the field, he kind of stopped, did a little double take, and went directly over to Pratt. And then he goes, hey, you're that famous kid, aren't you? He stopped to chat with the senior for a little bit before he took the field. A head coach of Sweeney's caliber taking the time to talk to Pratt before a game is something incredibly special. It reminds me a lot of how our kid captains are treated on game day at the University of Iowa. Each week, a child from the University of Iowa Stead Family Children's Hospital is selected to be the kid captain for the football team. Their stories range from blood diseases, heart diseases, cancer, and many other unimaginable illnesses and diseases. They go through this long process of being selected and and nominated by their family, and it takes months and months to select these kids because every kid is unique and every kid has a story that that again again with um, Rick needs to be told all these stories need to be told so it's very hard to select just 14 individuals a year who get to be 
the honor to get to have the honor of being a kid captain. Anyway, um, so they fight these unimaginable unimaginable battles. But that's why, come game day, these kids get the VIP treatment. They get to meet Coach Ferentz, the honorary captain. Last week it was Chad Greenway. Um, They get to meet the team. They get to stand by their favorite player during the national anthem, and they get to have 70,000 fans give them a standing ovation. Every single week it makes my heart swell, and honestly, I need to wear sunglasses even at night games because I cannot help but shed a few tears. These kids are heroes, and they have fought battles harder than I can even fathom. I have tremendous respect for the people who take the time to get to know these kids because their stories are mighty inspiring. And just because they're little does not mean they are not mighty. All right, my light the lamp segment. I'm going to start it off strong. Um, Come on, you know where this one's going. The Hawks took the number four team in the nation to the very last second. On Saturday, the Hawks shocked the nation and showed the most grit I've ever seen them play with. I heard on the radio this morning something that really stuck with me. All the kids in that fantastic children's hospital were looking down and watching our defense put up a fight. And our players were on the field looking up at the children in the hospital putting up a fight. So who was inspiring who on Saturday? Although the Hawks fell short, that night was nothing short of magic. There's something about Kinnick Stadium under the lights that always makes my skin tingle. It makes my eyes glisten and my heart pound. The stadium was striped black and gold by each section, and the noise was ear-splitting in the best way possible. I genuinely stopped and turned around in circles multiple times while I was on the sideline, and I just took it all in because every so often you do encounter magic, and I truly believe it was in Kinnick that night. There's no doubt the fans helped push the team to stop multiple touchdown attempts. The atmosphere is electric and vibrant and so exciting, especially when the wave after the first quarter was more incredible than ever before, if that's even at all possible. Not only did the wave happen after the first quarter like normal, and even the refs joined in, that was a really cool picture to see, but this wave incorporated cell phone flashlights that literally lit up and glowed. Kinnick Stadium was glowing. If you haven't seen the pictures, look it up. It's breathtaking. It glowed with such love and joy, and I honestly was a little overwhelmed with emotion, especially when I saw the little flashlights shining down on Kinnick from the top floor of the hospital. So again, who's inspiring who here? I also want to thank all the Iowa fans I saw being so hospitable to our opponents. I was walking through the parking lot when I saw a car of Penn State fans pull in. Not five seconds later, it was an Iowa fan at their window inviting them to join their tailgate. After the game, I went to go say hi to my dad, only to find him engaged in a conversation with a Penn State fan who couldn't stop talking about how welcomed he felt in the city and how every single person he encountered asked how his stay was was, and made sure he was having a good time. He even told us we deserved to win, which I wasn't going to argue with. It's the little things sometimes that make you realize we're all human and we're all capable of showing appreciation and humbleness in times of victory and defeat. So my light the lamp segment was a little bit um, more intricate this time. It involved not only the football team pushing their hardest and uh, shocking the nation. I also heard we got 16 AP points even though we lost to Penn State. When we beat North Texas, we only got two votes. Um, 16 AP votes. And when we beat North Texas, we only got two So not only was the grit undeniable across all levels, um, the hard work, the effort, but then again, the lights portion of the game, the the cell phone flashlights shining down, 
or shining up the stadium and, and the kids being so receptive and, and loving of that uh, new tradition that Iowa started. And the hospitality of the Iowa fans towards Penn State fans. All of that coming together is why I picked it as my light the lamp segment because, first of all, we lit up the night. We lit up Penn State. Um, and my heart lit up with pride and joy when I hear people talking about my city being so hospitable. So thank you to everybody who was so kind and generous and, and gracious in the face of defeat. Um, so thank you, everyone. Uh, if I, if you were nice to Penn State fans, pat yourself on the back. It was not easy to be nice to anybody after a loss like that. Okay, new segment, girl power segment. Um, a couple weeks ago, Beth Mowens and Lisa Byington made history in women, for women in sports. Beth Mowens, uh, she made history as the first woman play-by-play announcer in the NFL since 1987 and the first woman to call a nationally televised NFL game when she called the Broncos vs. Chargers game on Monday, September 14th. There was a ton of negative reaction on Twitter, but don't let the naysayers guide your life. She's a hardworking, extremely talented, and knowledgeable on the game. Shouldn't being qualified be the only requirement these days? It oftentimes seems like it's not, but in this case, I think that really should be all that matters, despite what gender you associate with. And on a more local area, uh, Lisa Byington also made Big Ten history this month when she was BTN's first female play-by-play announcer to call a game. She called the Northwestern vs. Bowling Green game on Saturday, September 16th. Lisa started with BTN at its inception 10 years ago. And as a quote from her, there are going to be people who hate the fact that I'm doing a football game because I'm a woman. It's not going to sound natural to some, but maybe it'll take 10 years for people to get comfortable with hearing a female voice doing a football game. But it's 2017. We have to start now. She could not be more right. What a time for, for women in sports. I, like last week... We had four American women in, in the U.S. Opens. I mean, I get it. It's the women's U.S. Opens. But four American women, and then we have two American women making history by being the first, you know, play callers. And that's so cool. As a woman, especially in an industry occupied largely by men, it's it's very cool to see two women who have worked so hard and, and proved themselves worthy and, and proved a point that they can, too, play on the same field as boys. Uh, it sounds so silly and so naive um, and also so backwards that we're still talking about this, but it's it's super cool to see these women on the in the um, booths talking about football and calling a play-by-play. I wish that growing up I had more women to look up to like that. I knew that I loved sports from a young age, and I knew that I didn't have anyone else to look up to for it. So I'm so thankful for all the women on the sidelines today. Uh, We could not, I could not be where I am right now without you guys and your guidance and and the pave and the path that you've paved for us. So keep doing it. Um, Also shout out to Sam Ponder, who is and forever will be my favorite sports um, woman in sports. She is fabulous across the board. She's amazing. She's headstrong. She's cool. She's quick. She's witty. And her, family is the cutest also she works so hard um and she once tweeted at me so there's that we we're friends i think um if one tweet counts i think we're friends um anyway 
So Gail Sirens in 1987 was the first woman to put her foot in the door. She fo- was followed by former ESPN announcer Pam Ward and now Beth Mowens and Lisa Byington. It's a small circle of women who have shattered the stereotypes, and hopefully the circle will only grow with time. Byington said something else that should resonate with all of us. My parents never taught me a job was gender-based. They taught me I could do- be whatever I wanted to be. That is a strong sentence, and that is how every single parent should raise their kids. I don't care if you have boys or if you have girls or if you have um, gender queer or if you have any LGBTQT, anything. Like, raise them to be good people, raise them to work hard, raise them to be kind and compassionate and to be a humanitarian, and the world will become a better place. I'm so positive of that. Um, Thank you to my parents for not telling me that I could or couldn't do something. I mean, I grew up the biggest tomboy ever. I mean, I was so jealous of all the boys. I, I wanted to play football with them at recess. I wanted to play basketball. I didn't want to be a girly girl. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. I have plenty of friends that are, and I have plenty of friends that were. That's just not something that I wanted to be. Uh, to this day, that tomboy edge is, is still a part of me, and I still um, I still very much am a tomboy, and I kind of like it. Um, and my parents were with me the whole time. And look where it got me. It got me to my dream job of working in sports and being on the sidelines of my favorite team and, you, you know, making – making my dream come true one day at a time. Uh, so thank you to all the parents out there who encourage their kids to be what they want to be. Um, that is a wonderful, wonderful statement. Um, this one's a little fun one. We call it the eye on the ball. Um, and I'm sure you've seen it by now, but Boise State has a dog go and get their kickoff tee uh, during football games. If you know me, this is like my dream to see. Um, I love dogs with my whole heart. I think that they are um, the reason the world isn't completely imploded because I think they bring so much happiness. Um, Anyway, so the dog's name is Cowboy Cole, and he's seven years old and loves to retrieve the kickoff tee. He also apparently retrieves the bats for the baseball team and shoots free throws during basketball games. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie one time, and it's called Air Bud, but apparently Air Bud is actually a real dog. Are you kidding me? This is so cool. Um, Iowa football. I have a real cute dog who would be the best at this. Um, We've never actually practiced, but she's super cute, and the crowd would most definitely love her. So um, let's think about that. Um, We can hold auditions. Uh, We can clearly have a winner pre-decided, Lennon. Um, I'm sure she'd be great. She's looking at me. She's pretty athletic, wiry, quick, lean. I think that she would be a great addition to the team. Oh, could you just imagine her in a little Hawkeye jersey? I know, buddy. We'll work on it. So we'll work on it. So Cowboy Cole, the dog who saves football and also is Airbud. Congrats, buddy. Keep it up. What a good boy. All right. Next one. We have a game changer. Um, this one came courtesy of my friend's mom. Shout out to Cindy Bedell. Uh, Chris Track is a single-leg amputee from Fort Worth, Texas, running elite high school cross-country. It's actually a social media campaign T-Mobile is running called Game Changers, so I didn't totally come up with this segment name on my own. So thank you, T-Mobile, for the idea. Um, But Chris was born without his fibula, but that never slowed him down. 
In fourth grade, he got his first running prosthetic. He's now in his fourth one. Um, and the thing is, adapted athletes are all over the track. However, very few are on the cross-country field. Chris said a challenge for him is the unevenness of the field. Since he doesn't have an ankle to conform to the environment, it sometimes trips him up. But it takes a special person to go out and conquer a sport where there's no one like you out there doing it. Like I said, there's amputees, single-leg amputees, double-leg amputees. There are adapted athletes all over the, the track, the actual track, part of track and field. Um, but it's different when you're running cross-country with the hills and the grass and, and like Chris said, the unevenness. Um, it's easy to get tripped up with two functioning legs, let alone one prosthetic. In an emotional interview, his mom said he was born without his fibula. When he was born without his fibula, they had two options. He could go through years of reconstructive surgery, requiring multiple hospital stays throughout his life, or he could have an amputation. She said the hardest part was making the decision for someone else, but it seems to have been the right choice in the end, because according to Chris, he doesn't see his prosthetic as a disadvantage to anything he does. He's a constant reminder to his team and his family that there is no room for excuses. Um, this actually reminds me, I was looking through Instagram today, and I saw that The Rock posted a picture with someone um, in the gym. You know, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, cool guy, uh, Baywatch, very good-looking guy. Anyway, so he got done making his biceps even bigger at the gym, and he met a man who was born without one arm and without both of his legs. So that image, the picture of this ro The Rock, um, who is a big dude, if you don't know who he is. This picture of The Rock next to this guy with literally one limb, um, but who is also competing in his first bodybuilding competition today. There are no excuses. That is the most motivating thing I think I could ever, ever come about, is people with one less limb than me, people with two less limbs than me, people with three less limbs than me, Making, uh, making an effort and taking time to, to better themselves and make themselves healthy and, and be the best version of themselves despite their, despite their uh, ailments or injuries or, or lack of, I'm trying to think of the right words here, but like, these people are so inspiring because, they don't have they don't let their limitations be limitations. They keep going. They keep grinding. They keep pushing. They are. They use what they have, and they make the best of what they have, and they don't let it stop them. So cheers to you guys, because there really truly is no room for excuses, and I think we oftentimes forget that. Like this morning when I woke up and didn't want to go to the gym because my stomach hurt. Uh, there are people out there who are working ten times harder than me with a lot less than me, and, I, and that's something that will, will keep pushing me every single day, day in and day out, that there are no excuses. So thank you guys. I need that sometimes. All right. Um, this is a small one, um, but we're going to call this one the Mulligan segment. Uh, in last night's Cardinals versus Cubs game, Cubs shortstop Addison Russell turned a rival fan into a sad fan into a friend real quick. Uh, in the process of attempting to catch a foul ball, Russell drove into the dove into the stands, missed the catch, and worst of all, knocked the nachos right out of the hands of a Cardinals fan. I'm sure you guys are well aware of the rivalry the Cardinals and the Cubs have, so I'm, this was probably the worst thing that could have happened. 
bad enough that the cards were down 4-0 at the end of the first inning. Worst luck when your rival team knocks some prized nachos out of your hand. Don't worry, though. Russ is a good guy and replaced the fans' nachos as a peace offering and posed for the selfie all before the Cubs continued to tear at the heartstrings of the card stands everywhere as they eliminated them from the National League Central Contention. Shoot, guys. At least you got your nachos back. All right, my last little segment for today is going to be called the Flitz Round. Um, these are things that make me stop and smile. Um, and I think a lot of times we forget to do that. One of my good friends, she told, she had this saying in the our high school uh, newspaper, and I, I loved it, and it still sticks with me today. So Caroline Fountain always said, you need to stop and smell the roses. And I think, like I said before, we, we do forget to do this sometimes. We get caught up in the negative news. We get caught up in, in what's around us. Uh, and so I think maybe make an effort once a day to stop and smell the roses and remind yourself what makes you smile. All right, blitz lightning round, let's go. Things that make me smile. Puppies, puppy cuddles, really good food, Netflix, The Office, New Girl, my couch, people helping people, Iowa football, seeing my friends, Iowa basketball, hugging my mom, taking a fat nap, white shrewd, coffee, a good workout, a lazy Sunday, connecting with people, changing leaf colors, people standing up for what they believe in, even if it's an unpopular opinion. People utilizing sports as a platform, Kinnick Stadium, music, especially Coldplay. Those guys have a way with words. Traveling, beer, Lennon, the Beatles, not the bug, Iowa City, Kid Captain, and this podcast. Those are just a, a few of the things that, that bring so much happiness to me and make me proud to, to be here where I am in this life. Um, and so I might take that little list with me everywhere I go, maybe in my purse, in my pocket, and I might just pull it out every now and then and just look at it. The world is a very scary, uncertain, and oftentimes very angry place. Let's all take the time to stop and smell the roses all around us. There are definitely, definitely plenty of things to keep smiling about. Halftime Happy Hour will be back next week, hopefully. Uh, thank you to everyone who listens, gives feedback, and subscribes. Um, don't forget to tell your friends to take their Halftime Happy Hour. In the wise words of Ellen DeGeneres, be kind to one another. I'll see you next week.